Welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast, a podcast for Christians spooked by the growing hostility in the culture today. We will tackle a range of topics from current events, persecution, missions, and what it means to be the church. You will gain valuable insights from those experienced working with persecuted Christians around the world, insights we all need to chew on in these strange days. Together, may we help the church stand. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Christian Emergency Podcast. I'm Andy Coleman, and I'm glad you're joining us once again. This is our first podcast of 2021. We're recording it on January 9th. It's already been an active season in the West, in America, and even in the church. There's a lot in motion right now, so it's time for us to get after it and start thinking through what we as Christians do as we approach this season for the church. And today I am joined by my great friend, Joe. We're just going to be calling him Joe for security reasons. This is a, a man who's done a lot for the kingdom. I think you're going to be really blessed hearing from him. He is a man who has served in remarkable areas, unique areas, places of the world that few get to visit, let alone work in and be a blessing to the church. So we're going to hear from him today and a little bit about his experience and how that experience might play into what you're doing, some principles that you can extract and apply in your own life. Joe, we're thrilled to have you. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know your background. I know what you have done, but our listeners haven't. This is their introduction to you. So I really want to just tease this out, and I think that our listeners are going to find some parallels in their own life and probably some encouragement and some things that they can apply. So to get us started, this is 2021. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, how did you just come to faith? Were you a believer as a, a six-year-old, as a little guy, or did that was this something that played out later in your life? Yeah, so it, it's kind of a combination of both. Um, you know, I did have believing parents. Uh, my mom, uh, even when I was a child, was especially strong in her faith. So I learned Bible stories. Um, our family did go to church. It was a little hit or miss, you know, depending on the, the different seasons of, of kind of where we were as a family. and But really the culmination of all of those uh, points, teaching points, uh, learning, really didn't culminate until I was 18, mm -hmm. when the, I would say my true conversion was uh, right before I went to college. Okay. Um, how did that happen? You're 17, 18 years old. How, how does that happen then? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the, the easiest way for me to explain it was that I had, as a young person, lived and I bought into the to what the world was selling, you know, in terms of that part of my life, you know, you, you want to be popular, you want to be good at sports, you want to have the right things and, and appear the right way. And I had worked so hard as a young person to, to achieve those things because I thought that's what was going to fulfill me. And so when I graduated high school, you know, I had gone about as far as I could go in terms of trying to achieve that lifestyle that mm -hmm. I thought was going to fulfill me. And uh, I'd gotten a college scholarship, you know, er everything that I had achieved, I guess, should have made me really happy, but I wasn't happy. Yeah. I was miserable. That's kind of when the Lord reminded me of what I had learned and, um, 
you know, I was just really desperate. And, and there was a few other things that happened that really brought me to my knees. And, um, you know, at that point, the Lord opened my eyes and, and, uh, you know, I cried out to him and it was, it was a pretty radical transformation uh, from that point on. So I kind of started off, I didn't really ease my way into it. I knew at that point that this was it, that I'd found what I was looking for in Christ. You know, I just told him, I committed that, that my life was his, whatever he wanted to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I meant it. And, um, certainly wasn't perfect on, on my end, but, um, you know, I always had that conviction that, that whatever he wanted, you know, from my life is where I needed to be and what I wanted to do. So, so you're in that period of your life where you're going to college. What did that, what did your first steps in the faith look like? Yeah. So the first steps, it was pretty unique because I actually had went to a Christian college, uh, but because I had a scholarship yeah. to play sports, not because it was a Christian college, but it ended up in, in the sovereignty of God that it was it was perfect because um, there were more mature, obviously, believers there who were able to to really teach me about reading the Bible, about prayer. That was the first place I really ever heard about missions, and um, you know this idea of committing your life to the Lord and, and practical ways that plays out in over the course of your life or, or what are different professions, you know, you might be able to get into. And so I had a lot of exposure to all of those things when I was in college. And I remember my first step, I was um, reading a newsletter from Times Square Church. David Wilkerson was the pastor and, and he would talk about, you know, different things that were going on. But I read about, you know, how they were reaching out on the streets of New York City to homeless, to drug addicts. I mean, they were in some really tough places, and it was just almost instant that that I felt this compelling conviction, yeah. like, God, that would be awesome if, if I could serve in that way, yeah. if I could, you know, gain some of that experience. If, if, if that's what you would have me to do, I'd love to do that. And so I actually wrote them a letter, right? Email was still pretty new, kind of dates <laughs> me a little bit, but hand wrote him a letter and just basically asked, is there any way, you know, I can come up there and, and serve in the ministries that you talk about in these newsletters and, you know, but the, the catch is that I don't know anyone up there, so I don't have a place to stay. And so I went back and forth, you know, and a few months later heard back and, um, long story short, they told me that I could come and, and live in the church and it was an old theater uh, right near Times Square, and and they had these old dressing rooms in the back where some of their staff, maintenance staff and things like that lived. They said, you can come and, and do maintenance work, you know, clean the church. It was a big place, a lot of stuff to do to keep it going, and so you can do that during the day, and then, you know, whatever ministries you want to be involved in yeah. at night or on the weekend, you, you can do. So that was a uh, kind of a turning point, yeah. I think, for me. Because it was the first time I was really out of my comfort zone, but in obedience to Christ yeah. was the reason. And just to watch him provide for every need, uh, to grow my faith. You know, when you're living in, in New York City as a, as a young person and you're doing ministry on the streets, you're, you're bound to run into some <laughs> scary situations. Yeah. And just to see the Lord provide 
and, and all of those things really, really increased my faith over that season. And I went on to do it multiple times during my, my college years. But, um, yeah, that was kind of step one that like, you know, you take this step out on faith. Yeah. You have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And the Lord provides in every way, and it just increases your trust in Him. Yeah, I think I've used this before, this analogy, but Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade, where he has yeah. to cross that canyon without any bottom, Yeah, and he, he puts out that foot, and he, he's shocked when something catches it. There's something underneath him. He doesn't fall into the abyss. But I feel like, especially in our walk with Christ, so often we're called to take that step and we don't know how it plays. We have no idea how he's going to work it out, and he works it out. But it did. You did take action. You didn't just sit and you know steep up knowledge and everything. You were very fortunate. It sounds like to have some mature believers around you in that college setting to disciple you and help you to grow in your knowledge of the Word, the Bible, in your prayer life, in your relationship with Christ. And you encountered this opportunity that just hit. I'm guessing on, on in many ways, it just it just registered with you, and you saw that opportunity, and you you made a move. You, yeah. you took a step. You wrote a letter, and God provides. And so there you are in New York. You get that opportunity, and it sounds like a few times you're up there, and at the same time you're learning skills, uh, practical skills from the maintenance side of everything, and you're just living in this church. Not only gaining practical skills, but you're learning ministry skills. You are outside of your comfort zone. And right now, I know our listeners, some some of you guys are outside your comfort zones right now. And it's not necessarily because you've taken a step. It's because things are unsettled around us. And yet, we can grow in those when we find ourselves in those positions. Um, sometimes they're our own doing. Sometimes they're not our own doing. But we are never alone. Christ is with us. He's working through us. He's stretching us and strengthening us. But I just think that's really neat. So you're in this college school. You go to this church in New York City, and you start basically getting stick time, um, flying for the kingdom, doing doing good work. So, yeah. So one what, of the one of the things that the Lord really impressed on my heart during this time. I don't want to belabor the point, but it's it was like you know I came. I grew up in a family that that had money. I mean, I don't think that we were spoiled as kids. I mean, we were taught to work, you know, from a young age. But during these experiences where I, I took a step, you know, to follow the Lord and it was unsure and all that, you know, I I didn't have any money, you yeah. know, when I was up there. And I got to watch the Lord provide. Like sometimes the church would have an event and they would give us food or sometimes they would give me you know, 10 bucks from the petty cash to eat for the day. I mean, it was literally, yeah, it was, you didn't know. Day to day. And that was the first time for me that I'd ever been in that situation, right? I'd always had a cafeteria or yeah. a meal plan or my parents to fall back on. You totally depended on God in the, in that season. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. And um, it was sweet that the Lord taught me those things at that stage yeah. of my walk and that stage of my life because it really set the course for for what would be the rest of my life. Yeah, and I, I talk about this a lot as well. It does seem like the principle of baby steps applies in our spiritual growth. We take small steps and we find that God provides, that God is faithful, that we can trust Him, 
and we are then essentially perhaps capable of taking bigger steps or sometimes we're just entrusted with more responsibility um, or more opportunity. Uh, did that play out in, in your life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I finished college, I moved overseas as a missionary. Well, let me pause you right there. That's a, that's a huge step. So <laughs> yeah. you're going from a college student who's doing some time in New York City to becoming a missionary. How did that, how did you find yourself called to the mission field? Yeah, so I think a lot of it started with that experience in, in New York City. Um, and then that coupled with what I was learning at the Christian University about missions. People that I hung around there were going, some of them were going during the summers mm -hmm. overseas on, on short-term mission trips. And, and I didn't quite fully understand that. Um, I took a course called Perspectives, yep. which opened my eyes to to some of the practical ways that you go overseas as a missionary, different options. It's a great course, and I'll just plug it right now. We'll try to put this in our show notes, but the Perspectives uh, course is available now. It's taught around the country, and it does. It introduces these topics related to missions. If you have no idea about missions, that's a great way to start learning. But So that that's something that you took yes. in that journey. Yeah, absolutely. So all those things kind of played into you know, just learning about opportunities, different ways that you could go. Of course, you're learning that the history of missions as well. And then here I am at a Christian school. I'm, I'm studying the Bible and theology. So I'm learning more throughout all of that. And, and um, you know, the tsunami happened in the Indian Ocean yeah. um, right before I, I graduated college. And that was, um, helped me a little bit in terms of where I felt like the Lord was leading me because I, I knew that there was kind of this sense that, well, I would love to serve as a missionary in a foreign country, but I had no idea where yeah. or how do you even come to that conclusion. And then that happened and I felt like, man, you know, this is going to be a, a unique opportunities there to serve. And, and um, so, yeah, out, out of college, I, I went with a missions organization to Indonesia uh, of course, Indonesia is made up of thousands of islands, yeah. and um, I studied language for a few months in a, in a major city, and then I was able to um, kind of be a part of, of pioneering a work on a smaller island, a little more remote and primitive, uh, an island of about 100,000 people, and uh, it was it was quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> How many were with you from your group on that island? Yeah, so initially it was just me. I mean, the yeah. in fact, the entire opportunity to have a presence on that island was set up by kind of a medical missions team that went in after the tsunami before I even got there. Yeah. And so they hit several spots just doing kind of relief medical work. And part of, part of the benefit of their obedience to go to some of these really difficult places was the governor type of this island gave them an invitation to yeah. send back a full-time representative. And so I happened to, to be the, the benefactor of kind of their pioneering yeah. work and got to have a full-time presence on that island. And I was by myself for, you know, maybe a year and a half and then had another guy come to help me. And then eventually a couple yeah. moved there. And then long after I was gone, uh, some national missionaries 
That's amazing. Uh, had a presence on that island still to this day, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So again, going back to the baby steps analogy, you took a small step of action to go and essentially volunteer your time and energy at a church in New York City. You're essentially sleeping in the basement and doing ministry when you're not working. Um, and now you find yourself, you know, called to serve alone on a remote island <laughs> on the other side of the world. When you found out that that's what you were going to be able to do, what was going through your head? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was actually really excited. Of course, you know, I was single at the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any ties. Thank God I didn't have any debt or anything like that. So I didn't have anything weighing me down. And I had just been so like immersed in missions history and missions biographies yeah. that I thought, wow, you know, like you get to live it out. I get to go do this. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's not always maybe the best motivation in terms of like, maybe we want to be the hero in the story. We yeah. want to be this great person that someone's going to write a book about one day. I, I mean, we all wrestle against that kind of stuff. But behind all of that, just the fact that I got to be the one who uh, might be able to tell these people about the gospel for the very first time was very humbling. Uh, it was exciting, but it was also humbling in the sense that um, that's a great honor. It's a responsibility. It's a great responsibility. Yeah. You know you have a real enemy yeah. <laughs> that has these unbelievable strongholds yeah. and on, that, in a place not like happy, that. Not happy that you're doing yeah, that. Yeah, you're, you're stirring stuff up, or, or the Lord is stirring things up, and, and you're a part of his plan. Yeah, it was it was exciting. It was new. I mean, it was... Wow, there's so much to learn. Well, and you, I like that you point out that you know maybe some of these elements you have to be cautious about your motivation and everything because you can get wrapped up. But at the same time, I don't want to diminish for people. Maybe you're listening and you haven't taken many steps in your your faith walk, and and you do feel a prodding. You do want to learn more, uh, maybe through a perspectives course, or you're reading about other Christians and the work that they have done that God has done through them. I don't want you to lose sight of the fact that it really is exciting. There is adventure out there. It's the greatest story. It's the greatest drama that's ever played out on the face of the earth, and we have an invitation to play a part in it. And uh, you, Joe, got to take small steps and see God at work in a very urban environment in New York City, and then he got to be a part of this amazing opportunity to serve on an island, on a remote island. And I don't want to diminish that either. It is an adventure that we get to be a part of. Maybe you're a, a younger listener. You need to dial into this too. There are so many exciting opportunities out there for us to, to play a role in. And it really is not just satisfying, but it's it, there's an element of fun to it. So it's definitely living life well and on, on mission and in, on purpose. And that is something that is available to each and every one of us. There was one other thing that I, I think is worth exploring right now. Joe, you didn't grow up in New York City. No. And you're you're having to figure out how to do ministry in this totally different setting, a very densely packed urban setting. You didn't grow up on a tropical island, and yet you are you find yourself serving in this role. Those must have seemed like alien terrain for you, an alien setting. 
And the reason I think that's important is, A, if you're listening to this, maybe God's calling you and you have no idea where he's going to plant you, but you know you're supposed to go and you need to be after that. I would not allow the idea of the unknown to stop you. Um, lean into that. Uh, embrace that sense of adventure that God gets, that God calls us to often. But I'm also speaking to those who are looking around our culture. Like, like we said, this is January 2021. A lot in the culture in the West is is changing swiftly, particularly in the United States. This, you know, if you're listening from Asia or Africa, maybe some aspects of your culture already seem spiritually alien to you. But many of us are finding ourselves increasingly in what feels like alien terrain. And we don't always sense that we can tell which way is up or down, how things are going to play out. But that's okay. It's okay, I think, to, to recognize, hey, this feels a little bit different. That should serve as a good reminder that this is not our home. We are sojourners here. We know where our true citizenship lies. We know where our destination is. And it's with the king. It's with Christ. But we can be incredibly faithful in these settings and, and lean into that and just, just own that. Yeah, we might not recognize the settings we find ourselves in, but we are still called to be faithful. And Joe got to, to really live that out in these two opportunities. So- yeah, I think, I think one of the things, you know, we learn through some of these experiences is, you know, one, rarely when we, when we live by faith and, and follow and obey, rarely does God show us like a one dimensional life. Right. right. And, um, I think part of, of my upbringing and, and part of having an accountant as a father and, and being growing up in this culture was the plan, right? What's the plan? What's the financial plan? What's the yeah. five-year plan? What's yeah. the 10-year plan? And I had such a conviction when I came to Christ that that wasn't his way. And and, and I'm not saying that the Lord doesn't give wisdom or, or that planning should not be a part of your faith. You know, I was a young person, so you don't yeah. think as much that <laughs> in those terms. Now that I have a family, I see more of some of the value to the the wisdom of, of planning and things like that. But still, there's this element, I think, that will always be a part of what the Lord taught me and, and what I what I see in Scripture as well is just this open-handedness yeah. with our lives. Now, yeah. that becomes a lot more difficult for me now with a wife yep. and with kids. It's a lot more difficult to be open-handed about where my family would live or what types of jobs, you know, I might do, Yep. but we have to hold all of this, even our families open handed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that may mean, you know, the Lord removes you from your specialty. What's your best at? Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't best at, I wasn't the best person to go to New York city. I wasn't the best person to go to this Island where I didn't speak the language and, you know, so it's not about you being the best at everything you do, but but obeying. Yeah. And and a lot of times that's going to include diversity of experiences, and yep. which makes us multidimensional, yep. which gives us more options in our life. It gives us more confidence to, to take those steps and, yep. and take risks. Um, and it equips you. It does equip you. And you don't even see it coming. Sometimes you don't even know why you're being equipped in this way. Exactly. But in hindsight... Five ten years down the road, you're like, oh, got it. Yeah, and you know what? You don't. You also don't have the 
the automatic shutoff where you start thinking about an opportunity or something that may be around the corner and then you just automatically shut it down because nope that's not my that's not my wheelhouse yeah. that's not but the more experiences you have like this you say you know it's not my wheelhouse but that doesn't mean that that's not what the lord has and maybe i'm called to learn this and maybe i, I can learn it yeah yeah for sure so man there's a lot of good things in there I think the the themes that you're touching on are themes that we need to be thinking about as Christians in 2021, wherever you are in the world. And I hope it's it's things you're thinking about if you're listening to this five years from now. These are evergreen topics. These are always things that we need to be considering. We will return to the podcast momentarily. But first, a word from our sponsor. Being a Christian today can be hard. This is true if you live in a heavily persecuted country like Iran or areas where cultural pressures against Christians are growing fast, like America and Europe. Fortunately, none of us have to stand alone. We are part of a giant body, one huge spiritual family that spans the globe. That is the church. The Christian Emergency Alliance is committed to helping the church stand, regardless of the pressures to come. As a 501c3 nonprofit, the Christian Emergency Alliance strives to help our spiritual family when persecution hits. We also strengthen the church by supporting ministry that makes Christ famous, defends biblical truth, and prepares fellow believers for challenges ahead. You have the opportunity to make a huge impact in this work today. Become a monthly financial ally of the Christian Emergency Alliance by signing up at christianemergency.com. Your support of $25 a month or a gift in any amount will bless those who need help in these darkening days. Help the church stand today, tomorrow, and in the days to come. Register today at www.christianemergency.com. And now, back to the show. I love what you said about, you described it as open-handed, an open-handed posture before the Lord. The way I've sometimes described it is kind of holding things loosely. We're grateful for the things that, you know, the opportunities, um, even the blessings that God provides and puts in our lives. But I have learned that we need to hold things loosely and be willing to release when we need to release, be willing to move when we need to move. Sometimes there are, I, I even catch myself, I, I start to white knuckle things. I, I have to manipulate and I have to grip and I have to force and I want to hold on because I want to control everything. And yet when we look to the Father, when, we, when we're prayerful and we're trying to sense the Lord's leading and we hold things loosely... We just recognize that everything we have is his and that we can trust him and and just be responsive to his prodding and to his leading. So that is a mentality, a mindset that allows us to be faithful, even when we don't understand everything that's going on, even when we understand some of these moves might come with costs, with risks, with with loss in, in a temporal sense. But uh, I think that's really good. And I also, of course, like your description of being multidimensional. We do live multidimensional lives. I don't know how to describe it. God isn't playing 4D chess. God is playing 77-time chess. You know, he, uh, There's so much more at work, not only in our own lives, but how our own lives affect the lives of those around us. Um, maybe it's our family members, our friends, co-workers, total strangers. God's at work in us and around us and through us. Again, I think that just appeals to the exciting nature and just i think that's healthy for us to reflect on is that we have all these opportunities around us and when we do surrender that when we have an open loose handed posture before the lord and just let him move through us we get to see him do pretty amazing things through us you didn't bring it up i'd like to touch on it though 
talk briefly about your dad. How did your walk affect your dad and and his spiritual life? Yeah, so, I mean, it was pretty amazing in terms of, you know, my dad was never anti-God or or anti-Jesus or anything like that. I mean, I think he had a salvation experience as a high school student himself and had just, you know, just got caught up as an adult. He had a family as a young guy. He he started, you know, to feel the pressure to make money and provide. And, and so anyways, I mean, I think he just got caught up in that. And, and some of my younger years, um, you know, that's what I experienced. And, um, but we had, when I became a believer, he and I, and also my brother and I had had some real kind of heart-to-heart conversations. Some of them were really awkward and upsetting. Some of them surrounded money. Yeah. You know, some of the, the points of contention were the fact that that I had, you know, straight up told my dad, hey, I'm not going to live my life to make as much money as I can. You know, I don't, that's not my end goal. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to go to New York during the summers. Yeah. Like, I'm not pursuing a, an athletic career past right. college or I'm not, you know, gaining banking experience or whatever it was, you know, that he wanted me to do. I'm going to, you know, he probably looked at me like a vagabond. You know, I'm going to New York City. I'm living yeah. off the land, off the people, you know, and, and that's maybe not what you want to see your college son right. who's just finished his freshman year. I'm sure it didn't make sense to him. It <clears throat> it probably perplexed him. It didn't register. So over the next few years, we, we got to the faith element yeah. behind it, and and the Lord began to work in his heart and convict him. You know, a few years after I went overseas, he and my mother went overseas as as missionaries. He's now a pastor. And I'm not saying that that's thanks to me. The Lord did that. But I was a part. Yeah, you played a role. A a role in that. And and we're best friends. I mean, he really is my best friend. I learned from him a lot, a lot of things during this season of my life. And some of that is from his practical yeah. experience in the business world, but I learn uh, the scriptures from him now. He he actually went and finished a seminary degree, so he's you know it's just amazing. It is amazing uh, how the Lord has has fully redeemed and and restored that relationship. And the same thing with my brother. Lived as a missionary in North Africa for ten years. Uh, it's back now and and in the business world, but a strong believer. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's pretty amazing everything that's happened in our, well, our family. I love your story, Joe. And a lot of times we think of affecting our families, influencing our families, when we think in terms of generations. That's how I think. I want to be a Christian. I want to be a, a leader for my kids. I want to allow them to experience the gospel. I want them to be able to be exposed to these things that are true and right and, and worthy of praise. But and I, and I want to be a blessing to the generations to come. I would love. That's one of the things I pray consistently is that Lord, let us be a family that is a blessing for your kingdom and for those you love and for those that you're saving for generations to come until you return. But it's also we can look laterally and we can look to the generation that we emerge from and be a blessing to them. Most of our listeners, I, I have no doubt, have family members, close friends who are unbelievers who don't know the Lord and 
you know, I'm encouraged by stories like yours where you did get to play a role and it did lead to somebody you care deeply about, somebody you love tremendously coming to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, there are certainly members of my own family who I've been praying for and I hope uh, surrenders and comes to know the joy that is being in relationship with Christ. So we never give up, but we can think horizontally. We can think to the generation that we came from, our parents, our grandparents. And uh, there's just, it goes back to that multidimensional aspect you described. Uh, God is able to work in so many more directions than we we really know. Yeah, so, the unsung hero really in that too. And, and for you moms and, and wives that are listening to this, uh, you know, my mom was, she was a rock. I mean, yeah. she didn't waver. She was the same, you know, when I was a little kid as she is today. I mean, just strong in her faith. She wasn't a stick in the mud. She wasn't, you know, constantly beating us over the head. I mean, she knew that we were out there, but she was faithful. She prayed for us uh, relentlessly. Yeah. I mean, so, so don't lose hope. Yeah. When you're in that situation where your husband's off you yeah. know just off kilter yeah. and he's 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 in a rut you know sometimes for years sometimes for decades yeah and um and and your kids are a little bit wild and <laughs> in, the, in the world you know don't lose hope stay faithful yeah well i think that's something that you know when we are trying to be faithful and we do go through spells where we're perhaps we grow a little cool spiritually or those around us do, they go through those seasons. Giving up is really not an option to us. We always got to try. We're always called to keep swinging. Even when things look bleak, we're always called to lean into Christ, to turn over those burdens, lay them at his feet, see how God moves in those situations. And through us, we're really called to always try to be faithful. And we are grateful for those that have been rocks in our lives who have stood firm, who have been gracious and patient with us, long-suffering in some circumstances. So this is good stuff. All right, but to get back into your story, so you were serving in this missionary role, and what came about after that? Yeah, so I came back from overseas. I worked for about an additional year for that missions organization, traveling around on college campuses and churches, Mobilizing, really. Uh, mobilizing, yeah. yeah, kind of recruiting, talking to people in these churches and these Christian kids on, on college campuses. If this is something you have an interest or God's calling you to do, here's how you can do it. Yeah. And here's some places you can go. Just kind of giving them the practical aspects of how they could do it. And then I started seminary. I moved to California, uh, was helping a church planner there. So I was helping him plan a church. I was going to seminary a few days a week. And then I was uh, painting houses on the side to yeah. have some money. I was living with this family yeah. that was planning the church, an older couple. Yeah, that was that was an exciting, crazy time too. Yeah, you know, again, a, a big move, a big change. And you probably had to figure some stuff out. You weren't sure how it was all going to work out. Yeah, absolutely. Of course, I didn't. I didn't know about the finances. I didn't know about what's next. You know, like what's yeah. my career? Should I be a career missionary? Should I? be more involved in the local church. Yeah, I mean, the whole question was, God, what do you have for me next? Yeah. Or am I just supposed to do this and paint houses or work at a fast food place until you open the door for, yeah. I mean, you just didn't know, you know? So so I met my wife, you know, during that period of time. Uh, we were married and moved to 
uh, real quick before you move yeah. on, uh, your wife is an amazing woman. She has an amazing story too. Yes. Um, so she was busy for the kingdom in another part of the world. She served as a missionary. So just fun stuff going on with Joe's family. So anyways, just wanted to put a plug in for another amazing woman. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But you, you we, met her during that season. Met her during that season. I mean, it didn't take us long to get married. And when we were married, we decided to move from that place where we were planning, helping plant a church to a more urban part of California where there was a large Muslim population. And that was the population I had worked with when I was in Indonesia. Yeah. So I'd learned God had kind of given me, uh, I guess you could say, a, a heart or an understanding for the Muslim people. And so we found that there was a large population of Muslims uh, living in Orange County, California. And we went a few times and just drove around and stopped in at a few ministries that that we had identified that were there Mm -hmm. in that area and just kind of talked to the leaders and just said, hey, we're thinking about moving down here. I mean, what's your experience? What are things like here? And long story short, got married and and moved into an apartment in Anaheim, California. I think I had a few thousand dollars in the bank account. Most of that was probably from the wedding. <laughs> and a rent for a one-bedroom oh, yeah. apartment in the not-so-nice part of Anaheim was, I think it was $1,200 a month. Yeah. So we didn't have much. Yeah. And uh, again, another story of, of God's provision Another faith-building experience uh, where we spent really the first, I guess, six five years of our married life yeah. was right there working with refugees, yep. working with a lot of Muslims, opportunities to share the gospel. Yeah, it was, had our first few kids there. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty amazing. amazing time. Amazing. So another example of you taking a step, taking an action, and just seeing God move through that. And started a business there. So you're learning business and you're Well, learning. I had to. Yeah. Because you, you know, now I've got a wife yep. and you know, the money uh it's expensive to live there. The ministry that that was started there was not able to, you know, pay right. a full salary. So finding practical ways to to provide um for your family in that type situation yep. just involves starting a business with something very easy and, and, and practical in terms of, you know, yeah I started a cleaning business. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, yeah. to figure that out. But let me point this out for our listeners. Those were practical skills that you were picking up way back when you were in New York City. Absolutely. And helping out just in that ministry role. But now you're having to apply them in a business sense and figuring out a way to provide for your family. But God had equipped you years and years and years before this for that for that need. Absolutely. It's, it's pretty neat. So, all right. I, I do want to, to hit on this because we haven't talked about this on our previous podcast. We haven't really articulated it much, but it is an important aspect of really our ministry uh, with the Christian Emergency Alliance is this idea that we as Christians need to have some entrepreneurial mindset. We are go- coming into seasons where there are going to be more challenges we're going to be forced into situations, I'm convinced, where we're going to have to figure out ways uh, to provide for one another, to provide for our local fellowships, and to provide for fellow Christians Christians in other places of the world we've never visited. We're going to have to be able to adapt, and we're going to have to be able to 
perhaps develop multiple streams of income for our families. People, most people listening to this are aware that there's such things as cancel culture around us. There's efforts to really strip people from their ability to provide for themselves if they're faithful, if they're walking publicly with their faith in the public square. So I I really like this aspect that Joe's drawing out too, is the ability to step a little bit outside your comfort zone again in a different way, but to be able to provide by being entrepreneurial, seeing problems and not seeing problems and be like, okay, then I got to roll over and give up. I got to toss up my hands. I'm done. I don't know how to do this. Nope. We're going to see problems and we're going to be prayerful. We're going to look to the Lord, but we're also going to sense, you know, what can I do and how am I going to, to navigate this problem? Who do I know that can help me walk through this problem or get this set up so that I can provide? And Joe, you did that. How did it, how did it play out? Yeah. I mean, and I want to preface it too, for people listening, this is not something that comes or came naturally to me. It, I mean, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, you you might be thinking, well, you can start a business because you have that personality or you have that. I, I just want to tell you that, I mean, there was night after night that I'm like staring at an IRS webpage trying to figure out about yep. starting a business and just thinking, man, I can't, I don't know if I can do this, you know? Yep. And the same when I was in Indonesia trying to learn that language. Yep. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, so I want you to know that it wasn't something that that came naturally to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it really worked out perfectly. It provided the income uh, that we needed for that season of our life. You know, we weren't millionaires or anything like that, but it provided exactly what we needed. We were able to uh, build a lot of relationships in the community yeah. through that business. And we also were able to employ several refugees Wow, who had just a really hard time finding a job yeah. uh, or gaining meaningful employment. So yeah, it was in that sense, it was really kind of a holistic thing, uh, which keeps you made of, motivated and, and yep. keeps you going with the business. So yeah, I mean, just always learning every yep. season of life. There's, there's this new thing, this new challenge. And, and yeah, there are times too, when you get a little bit tired of it, yeah. you know, like, Hey, I just, for the next 10 years, I want something that's easy. <laughs> Please, just like something that I can wake up and do and and yeah. it doesn't keep me up at night, yeah. you know. And, and there have been relatively still kind of shorter seasons like that for me. I think the Lord does give you reprieve from time to time. But um, yeah, all in all, I think maybe it's my own pride or my own sinfulness, the Lord has to keep me humble. So he keeps taking me back to those places. And, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I have uh, a ton of faults and, and, um, wrestle with sin day in and day out. Uh, and I, I praise God for this aspect of faith. I think that he's given to me. I mean, I think that is a spiritual (laughs) gift Mm -hmm. where I trust him. I don't trust myself. And I've, I've seen time and time again, why I shouldn't trust myself. But I do trust him, and I and yeah. I thank God for that every day that that He's shown me those things and yeah. and taken me right up to the edge, and I've looked peeked over the edge, and and like you said with the Indiana Jones, I mean He's He has given me what I need to take that step. Yep. It's not in me. Yep. It's Him, and and I really want people to hear that that you know you don't want to just point at other people and say, well, it's different for you. Yeah. No, I'm. We are the same. We yep. are. We all have our things, you know, and and Absolutely. we need something uh, from the Lord to help us take take these steps. So, 
so yeah, that was a long answer for, um, we learned a lot during that season and, and learned about, like you mentioned, being more of an entrepreneur when one thing can't, can't do it all for your family. What are some different ways you can make ends meet? And that also, as you mentioned, you know, I don't think you have to be a doom and gloom person to realize the importance of that for believers in America moving forward. It's going to be hard to be one dimensional moving forward, or there may be some negative just in the practical realm. If you are one dimensional, if you work for a big corporation or big company, you might face some challenges in the days ahead. And I think it's going to be sneaky. I think it's going to be manipulative. We shouldn't be surprised by any of that. Yeah, that's it. Don't be surprised when the pressures come upon you. And I think before we started recording, you made the the comment that it's not going to be in your face and it's not going to be a hard slap across your face. It's going to be something soft. It's going to be, you know, you're forced to adhere to certain policies and you have to sign off. And if you don't, well, we're going to have some repercussions. So that that is coming. And let's not be surprised by it because when we're surprised is when... Uh, we're frustrated when our expectations go unmet. We're frustrated and maybe we don't respond as well as we should. We haven't been proactive in thinking through it. Let's think through it now and let's also start to consider what else we can be doing to to prepare for that season. Yeah, I think that's really healthy for us to to be doing right now. So, Joe, you, you spend this time working with refugees. Uh, you've had to figure out a way. To, to start a business and to run a successful business, employ some others, um, be a blessing to others. And I know that after that, you and I had the opportunity to, to serve together. You found yourself in a different, totally different role, working in, again, in the Middle East. You had been working with Middle Easterners in, in California and on the West Coast of America. And then you found yourself working in the Middle East, in Central Asia, in North Africa, uh, working amongst the same people, but in their own countries of origin, I saw you apply so many of these skills, the cultural skills that you had developed from your relationships and your work before, even using your organizational skills, your ability to budget, to look through healthy ways for organizations to function, and even to be savvy to when things weren't right, when there something was off. You know, even though we're in Christian ministry, there are still bad things happening. You still have to be aware that there could be fraud. You have to be able to document expenses, all of that. So I got to watch you do that and really thrive. So in a way, it seems like your life has been a spiritual roller coaster. Yeah. And But again, I think it ties back into that sense of it is an adventure. What, Absolutely. What was your experience like working in that role in the Middle East? Well, I loved it. I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It did feel like, you know, you could look back at, uh, at my life at that point and see the la- you know, the previous 15 years had kind of been these building blocks yeah. or stepping stones that brought you to this point. And we all know, you know, I mean, you don't always know why you're going through a certain experience when you're in the middle of it. Right. And there's lots of questions and even frustrations or doubts or whatever. And, and I felt like, during my time serving with you and in, in the Middle East, um, a lot of those things kind of made sense. They gelled, yeah. Yeah, they worked together uh, for that season of, of ministry. And, um, you know, being able to uh, see the church and see those believers working uh, across the Middle East and North Africa, it was eye-opening in a lot of ways. 
sometimes it was really, really encouraging. And there was a lot of takeaways where you, where you say, Lord, help me to have this perspective, you know, in my own life. And then there were a lot of ways where you saw these people are exactly like us. Yeah. They're humans. They struggle with their faith. Yep. They're prone to wander just like we are. They got they similar pressures. They have trauma in yeah. the church. Yeah. They're fighting about stupid things. <laughs> um, Lord, help us. Yeah. How, how do we help them? Yeah. You know? And um, and so many times, how can they help us? Because yeah. we catch ourselves fighting over stupid things. Absolutely. They could point out what is important and what's less important. Absolutely. And so... So it is yeah. with the church. That's our family. Some, some are some are more inspiring than others, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like uh, looking around at Thanksgiving, yeah. right? Looking around the room, and some are more inspiring than others. <laughs> some have some, you know, serious issues. Uh, uh, some of them we just need to pray for. Some of them we need to pull aside and take them in the garage and yeah. have a come to Jesus meeting. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's our family. It is. They're not any different. Yeah. Uh, than we are now they do face different realities in terms of uh, pressures yep. persecutions um daily life things yep. that that we're not accustomed to here not yet not yet most of um, us aren't at least not yet some of us are starting to experience it um, but i do think that that is going to be a way that that part of our family is going to be able to bless this part of the family the part of the family that's new to pressure yeah. That that this terrain, this culture looks a little bit alien to us. Well, it doesn't look alien to them, and they they have been through this. They have some perspective um, and lessons learned for us to apply, which is one of the reasons we have this podcast. It's one of the reasons we started the Christian Emergency Alliance. So, yeah, this is our family. Praise God for it. Praise God that it that family is growing. Uh-huh. There are more coming to know Christ, not just despite the pressures, sometimes because of the pressures that are coming, it's forcing people, whether it's in Afghanistan or northern Nigeria or Arkansas, pressure is building and people are asking real questions, ultimate questions, like what is true? What is my life? What am I going to be doing with it? Um, there are people coming to be like, I, this Jesus is who I'm following. This yeah. is true. Yeah. And if I could, I mean, there's a... There's a million different things we could touch on here, but if I could share one insight that I think is is crucial for us during this time especially, I mean, I know that with everything that's happening, you could be Debbie Downer and say, oh man, you know, I'm just, I'm tired of battling. You know, everyone talks about 2020 was the worst year on the planet. Uh, I don't know that that's true. Uh, in terms of historically right. yeah. how how difficult we're pretty soft a little context goes a long way <laughs> exactly but there are a lot of us that are tired of battling you know yeah tired of fighting tired of disagreeing tired of uh, of the uphill and, yeah. and like you said i mean if you're realistic it's probably only going to get worse for us in terms of it just being an open battle yeah one of the things that we gained in terms of insight working in the Middle East is if you think you're tired of battling in Bible Belt America, or maybe you're not in the Bible Belt, maybe it's it's been a more long-term experience for you, think about Christians in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> They've been battling since uh, the 6th century. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, and some of them are 
exhausted. Yeah. Some of them have capitulated. Yeah. Some of them don't fight anymore. And that's that's a sadder part to the story is that, you know, sometimes you do find churches that are just totally inward focused. Yeah. They're shut off from evangelism. They're resigned. They're resigned. Yeah. They're they're content with just their family and, and honestly, that could be a temptation for some of us during this season. Yeah. It's like, hey, I just want to get somewhere where my family knows the Lord. And that's it. And that's it. The rest just, can go pound sand. And I, Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say that there's anything wrong with a simple life either. Right. And, I, and it's a great achievement if your family knows the Lord, if you yeah. disciple your kids well. I mean, so all of those things need to be factored in. But in terms of what's promised by the Lord— I think what we're going to find out is that the battle is what's promised by the Lord. Yeah. That we're going to be in a battle day in, day out, till he comes again. Yeah. And so get ready for it. Don't be surprised. Yes. Don't let it steal your joy. Yeah, it is frustrating, and it is hard. And, and there's going to be times where you may have to take a break. Maybe you have to just pause and recover a little bit. Maybe you've been—you're uh, exhausted. That's okay. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up about that. But take a break, take a breather. Uh, but you need the body. You need the body. Because you when, need the church. Because when you are exhausted, yep. that doesn't mean the battle stops. No, nope, it's you still need, going. You need the body of Christ. You need your local church behind you, in it together with yeah. you. Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. Don't think you can do this by yourself. You need the body. You need it, the prayers. You need the encouragement. Yep. And even if you feel like you have very little to offer, there's always ways to be a blessing to the kingdom. Maybe all that you really are in a position to do right now is to be praying, to be praying for those that are standing um, and taking heat. They're taking rounds, spiritually speaking, uh, for their faith. Maybe it's just praying for believers in countries that are much more difficult right now than our own, uh, believers in Pakistan, believers in Iran, people people who are in prison because of their faith, people who are who have been really hurt and are trying to recover, people who have lost loved ones, we could just be praying for that. That's huge um, in the spiritual economy. And I love what Joe said right there. We can't be Debbie Downers. We can't be hanging our heads. We just know that we're in a spiritual war. Maybe it was easy 20 years ago to pretend that that wasn't real, but it was real then. It's real now. It's just more apparent, I think, for more people. And it comes down to a mindset. Are we going to be advancing the banner of Christ? Are we going to essentially have, from a spiritual perspective, a hunter mentality? Are we on the hunt? Are we on the offense? Are we taking this forward into the cultures around us? Or are we prey? Or do we just, you know, go inward and fear the world and get scared and quiet? And are, are we the hunted? No, I would argue that we're hunters. We are on offense and we're in a spiritual war. We have, we have to have one another's back. We have to be praying for one another and... This is exciting stuff. So so just to kind of wrap this up a little bit, Joe, I know that uh, you've been helping us as we launched the Christian Emergency Alliance. So you're applying again, once once again, all of these skills that God has equipped you with uh, to help in this regard. You have set up some more businesses. You're helping in the communities around you. You're helping your local church. You're helping your family. And you're being faithful in, in this season. You have a very unique story that... I think even though it's very unique, it's very relatable to many of us who have gone through similar circumstances. Um, is there anything else that you would just like to, to inject as we close this down? No, I, I think most of it's been said already. But, you know, just to reiterate that 
it, it really is God's grace that we find ourselves in any kind of position that's worthy of praise, right? So when you think about, you know, I went through a really difficult transition the past 18 months, and, and God provided exactly what our family needed during yeah. that time. I mean, that is, yeah, you know, we worked hard. We got after it, and we didn't wait, yeah. you know, for anyone. And, you know, you could pat yourself on the back, but I think, man, ultimately, God is faithful. He provides when you take risks, and I'm talking about not stupid risks, not I'm an adrenaline junkie, I want to just jump to the next thing half-heartedly. When God directs you in a position and you you take that step, or sometimes God takes you out of a position and you don't have a a choice. You know, you are where you are and he's allowed it, but you got to move forward. He will give you, I mean, that's the one thing I could tell people. He is who he says he is. He will provide for your needs. He will equip you for that season of your life. But it doesn't mean, he doesn't promise you that you won't face hardships. Yeah. Because you will. You, it's inevitable. You will face hardships. Yep. But guess what? There's good news. Those hardships, one, they refine you where you look more like him when yep. you come out on the other side. And hopefully when you're going through it mm-hmm. as well, they equip you for whatever he has next. They increase our faith. You know, I mean, yep. there's all of these good things about what might be perceived as as really hard experiences or, yeah. or, or difficult. Maybe not hard, but difficult. still difficult. It usually forces you to use spiritual muscles that you didn't know you had. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes back to us saying, you know, God and his and his ways, it, it, it does make us multidimensional in a practical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. Yeah. So. It's exciting stuff. Well, Joe, I am always encouraged just chatting with you on these topics. It's it's a lot of fun for me. I think it's been really eye-opening for our listeners, and we really appreciate you taking some of your time to, to hang with us today. My pleasure. All right, Joe. Take care, buddy. Thank you for joining us today for the Christian Emergency Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends about us and ask them to subscribe as well. To learn more about the Christian Emergency Alliance or financially invest in our ministry, visit us at www.christianemergency.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you again for listening and stand strong out there.